Chapter Fifteen of Wolf the Saxon by George Alfred Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Meeting by the River During the three days that elapsed between Ulf's being set upon the track of Walter Fitzurse and the departure of the King for the North, the boy had no news to report to Osgod. The young Norman had not left the bishop's palace alone. He had accompanied the prelate several times when he went abroad, and had gone out with some of his countrymen who still held office at the court. In one or other of the disguises Wolf had suggested, the boy had hung about the gate of the bishop's palace until late in the evening, but Walter Fitzurse had not come out after dark. On the day before starting, Wolf was with Osgod when the latter met the boy at the rendezvous. After he heard Ulf's report, Wolf said, as we leave tomorrow, this is the last report you will have to make to us. So far it would seem that there is nothing whatever to give grounds for suspicion, and if, after a few days, you find that the Norman still remains quietly at the bishops, there will be no occasion for you to continue your watch until the time is approaching for the king's return. Yes, my lord, but I cannot say surely that he does not go out of an evening. Why, I thought you said that he had certainly not done so. No, my lord. I said only that I had not seen him. He has certainly not gone out through the great gates in his Norman dress, but that seems to me shows very little. As the bishop's guess, he would pass out there, but there is another entrance behind that he might use did he wish to go out unobserved. Even at the main entrance, I cannot tell but that beneath the cowl and frock of one of the many monks who pass in and out, Walter Fitzurse may not be hidden. He would scarce go about such a business as we suspect in his dress as a Norman noble, which is viewed with little favour here in London, and would draw attention towards him, but would assume, as I do, some disguise in which he could go about unremarked. It might be that of a monk, it might be that of a lay servitor at the palace. You are right, Ulf, I had not thought of that. That is indeed a difficulty, and one that I do not see how you can get over. Are you sure that he's not passed out by the main gate? I have marked his walk and carriage closely, my lord. He steps along with a long stride, and unless he be a better mummer than I judge him to be, I should know him whether in a monk's gown or a servitor's cloak. It is no easy thing to change a knight's stride into the shuffle of a sandaled monk, or the noiseless step of a well-trained servitor in a bishop's palace. You are a shrewd lad indeed, Ulf, Wolf said warmly, and I feel that you will fathom this matter if there be aught at the bottom. But as you say, you cannot watch more than one place. The other entrance is not altogether on watch, my lord. The first day you gave me my orders, I went to one of my cronies, who has shared with me in many an expedition when our master deemed that we were soundly asleep. Without, as you may be sure, giving any reason, I told him that I had come to believe that the Norman I pointed out to him was in the habit of going out in disguise, and that I was mighty curious to find whither he went, and why and therefore wanted him to watch at the entrance behind the palace. I bade him mark the walk of the persons that went out, and their height, for the Norman is tall, and to follow any who might come out of lofty stature, and with a walk and carriage that seemed to accord ill with his appearance. So each evening, as soon as his house was closed and the lights extinguished, he has slipped out, as he knows how, and has watched till ten o'clock at the gate, it seemed to me that that would be late enough, and indeed the doors are all closed at that hour. 
You have done well, Ulf, but has not the boy questioned you as to your reasons for thus setting a watch on the Norman? I have told him naught beyond what I have said, my lord. He may guess shrewdly enough that I should not myself take so much trouble in the matter, unless I had more reason than I have given. But we are closely banded together, and just as I should do without asking the reasons, any such action did he propose it to me, so he carried out my wishes. I cannot feel as sure as if I had watched him myself that Fitzurse is not passed out in disguise unnoticed, but I have a strong belief that it is so. At any rate, my lord, you can go away with the assurance that all that is possible shall be done by us, and that even if he pass out once or twice undiscovered, there is good hope that we shall at last detect him. Again, after commending the boy, Wolf turned to the palace with Osgod. I feel half ashamed of having entertained suspicion of Fitzurse on such slight grounds, Osgod. I think you've done quite right, my lord. You know how the fellow gave a false report to the bishop of that quarrel with you. At any rate, should nothing come of it, no harm will have been done. As to the boys, so far from regarding it as a trouble, I feel sure that they view it as an exciting pleasure, and are as keenly anxious to detect the Norman going out in a disguise as you yourself can be. When they get tired of it, they will give up. Ulf, at any rate, was determined not to relax his watch during the absence of the king. The more he thought of it, the more certain he felt that if Walter Fitzurse went out on any private business after nightfall, he would use one or other of the entrances at the rear of the palace, and accordingly next day he arranged that one friend should watch the front entrance of an evening, while he himself took post behind. As soon as it was dark he lay down by the wall close to the entrance at which the servitors generally passed in and out. The moon was up, but was still young, and the back of the palace lay in deep shadow. A projecting buttress screened him to a great extent from view, while, by peeping round the corner, he could watch those who came out and see them as they passed from the shadow of the building into the comparatively light space beyond. Many came in and out. The evening was bitterly cold and his teeth chattered as he lay, cautiously putting his head beyond the edge of the stonework every time he heard anyone leaving the palace. The heavy bell had just struck eight when a man wrapped up in a cloak passed out. He differed in no respect from many of those who had preceded him, save that he was somewhat taller. The hood of the cloak was drawn over his head. Ulf raised himself to his knees and gazed after the figure. The man was walking more slowly than the others had done for most of them had hurried along as if in haste to get their errands finished and to be in shelter again from the keen wind. If that is Fitzurse, he is walking so as to avoid the appearance of haste, in case anyone should be looking after him, Ulf muttered to himself. At any rate, I will follow him. He is more like the Norman than anyone I have yet seen, though he carries his head forwarder and his shoulders more rounded. As he watched him, the boy saw that as he increased the distance from the palace, the man quickened his pace, and when he came into the moonlight was stepping rapidly along. "'That is my man,' Ulf exclaimed. "'He knows well enough that no one is likely to be standing at the door, and thinks he need no longer walk cautiously, feeling sure that even if the man looked back he would not be able to see him in the shadow. He started forward at a run paused before he reached the edge of the moonlight, and then, as soon as the figure entered a lane between some houses, ran forward at the top of his speed. The man was but a hundred yards in front of him when Ulf came to the entrance of the lane. 
Just as he turned into it, the man stopped and looked round, and Ulf threw himself down by the side of a wall. That settles it, he said to himself. No one who had not a fear of being followed would turn and look around on such a night as this. Ulf was barefooted, for though he generally wore soft shoes, which were almost as noiseless as the naked foot, he was dressed in rags, and a foot covering of any sort would have been out of place. Always keeping in the shade, having his eyes fixed on the man he was pursuing, and holding himself in readiness to leap into a doorway, or throw himself down should he see him turn his head, he lessened the distance until he was within some fifty yards of the other. The man took several turns, and at last entered a long street leading down to the river. As soon as Ulf saw him enter, he darted off at full speed, turned down another lane, and then, when he got beyond the houses and onto the broken ground that lay between them and the river, ran until he was nearly facing the end of the street which he had seen the man enter. 